Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. All right. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on into the Matt Lombardo Show right here inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Of course, I'm Matt Lombardo, Fansided's National NFL Insider. Great to have you here. Big show ahead. Of course, the Super Bowl matchup is set. The Los Angeles Rams taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. And a little bit later on in the program, we'll chat with Cincinnati Bengals Hall of Famer, Anthony Munoz to get his thoughts on the upcoming game and why the Bengals have the Rams on upset alert in their quest for their first Super Bowl championship. A lot to get into, and we're certainly going to preview the game. We're going to look ahead to biggest storyline for each team, how they got here, how they were built, and all of those things. We're going to get into a little bit more of a difficult conversation in terms of the biggest story across the NFL this week. But before we get into all that and a whole lot more, a little bit of housekeeping for you as always. If you enjoy the podcast, if you love the guests, if you like the analysis, if you're a fan of my work at Fansided or otherwise, please go ahead and subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, all of your favorite podcast platforms to Stacking the Box, Fansided's NFL podcast. You get two great podcasts for the price of of none. You get Stacking the Box every Tuesday with Mark Carmen and Matt Verderam. A great show. They have great analysis every week. They have a lot of fun. And of course, each Friday, you get the Matt Lombardo Show right in your podcast platform, whether it's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, whether you're listening on your laptop at work, your tablet, in the car, your iPhone, whatever. Please go ahead and subscribe to Stacking the Box. And if you love the Matt Lombardo Show, if you like the guests that I bring on every week, if you love the analysis, if you tune in every week and you don't miss an episode, please go ahead and leave a five-star review and mention the Matt Lombardo Show. And this week, as we prepare for Super Bowl Sunday, please give me your pick. Let me know who wins and why and your MVP. I'll give you mine next week. But the best reviews, the best five-star reviews with an upset special, a blowout win, or the MVP, whatever it may be, We'll read the reviews on the show next week. But before we get into all of that, let's get right to the biggest story across the NFL and really the biggest story in all of sports. And that's former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores suing the National Football League, mentioning the New York Giants, the Denver Broncos, and the Dolphins in an explosive lawsuit alleging discriminatory hiring practices across the NFL and calling his interview with the New York Giants, quote-unquote, a sham after he received a text message from Bill Belichick, the head coach of the New England Patriots, saying, congratulations, I've heard from Buffalo and from the Giants that you're the Giants guy. Hope it works out if you want it. But as it turns out in the text messages that Flores presents allegedly from Belichick, Belichick meant to text Brian Dable, who, of course, the Giants went on to hire as their head coach. But the problem here is that these alleged text messages were received by Brian Flores, he says, before he even had the opportunity to interview for the Giants job. And if that's the case, 
then obviously John Mara and Steve Tisch and the Giants organization are going to have to answer for that. But again, this is a little bit of a he said, she said situation because the Giants released a statement basically outlining the entire itinerary of Flores' interview with the Giants for the job and also claiming that they have concrete evidence refuting Flores' claims. The Broncos released a similar statement refuting Flores' claims and saying that they have evidence proving that he is not being truthful in this lawsuit. So a lot of this is going to have to play out in the civil court system or between the lawyers for Brian Flores and the three teams and the NFL that were named in the lawsuit. But there's another layer to this. There's another layer that Flores is alleging that Stephen Ross, the Miami Dolphins owner, paid him $1,000 per loss to tank games when he was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins to better position them in the NFL draft and alleges that Ross forced him into trying to meet with Tom Brady, which of course would have been tampering. So there are a lot of layers to this. And regardless of what happens, regardless of whether the NFL settles with Flores out of court, whether there winds up being a court case or congressional hearings into Flores' allegations of a discriminatory hiring practice and not to mention the integrity of the game, conversation if Stephen Ross in fact did offer a thousand dollars per game for Brian Flores to tank games that's directly calling into question the integrity of the game and I would think Congress would want to have a conversation or two if that was what was happening during the time that Flores was in Miami but regardless of the outcome this is bigger than Brian Flores this is bigger than the lawsuit that he's filing against the NFL and three teams because like it or not the NFL does have a problem when it comes to representation among head coaches, among general managers, among coordinators of African Americans, black and brown people, and minorities. The NFL might need to face a reckoning because when you look across the NFL, after David Cauley was fired by the Houston Texans, after Brian Flores was fired by the Dolphins, Mike Tomlin is the only remaining head coach who is African-American in the NFL. There are only three minority head coaches, the Washington Commanders with Ron Rivera and, of course, Robert Sally with the New York Jets. That's inadequate in every sense of the word, especially when you look at the fact that there are only four African-American offensive coordinators, only 11 African-American defensive coordinators in a league where 70% of the players African-American. Now, I don't know what the solution is, but there needs to be a solution because the Rooney Rule, it's not working. It's not working when you have to strengthen the Rooney Rule going into this offseason to whereas rather than having to interview one African-American candidate to satisfy the rule so you can go ahead and hire whoever you would like, now you need to interview two, including at least one outside candidate from outside your organization. And with nine job openings, seven of them go to white head coaches? Something's wrong with that picture. In an offseason where Brian Flores becomes available, where Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, the number one defense in the NFL this season, who his players swear by him, love playing for him, play hard for him, have nothing but praise for Leslie Frazier, goes unhired. Byron Lefwich goes unhired. Regardless of what happened in Jacksonville, Shad Khan, at minimum, chose keeping general manager Trent Baalke over hiring Byron Leftwich and ultimately hires Doug Peterson 
to be the Jaguars head coach. You look at Todd Bowles, a year removed from winning the Super Bowl when he was one of the hot commodities on the NFL coaching carousel. You look at Patrick Graham, the New York Giants defensive coordinator who, when you talk to coaches and executives inside the league, have nothing but praise for Patrick Graham. Believe that he's a rising star. Believe that he was the Giants' best asset going into this offseason after they moved on from Joe Judge. He goes unhired after interviewing twice for the Minnesota Vikings job, and they wind up hiring Kevin O'Connell, who never called plays, by the way. Didn't call plays for Sean McVay and the Los Angeles Rams. He gets a job over Patrick Graham. When you look forward to this year's hiring cycle, it was easy to think in November and in December that the Rooney Rule wasn't going to matter this offseason, that this was going to be the year that the Rooney Rule was irrelevant because the African-American candidates available were going to be the best ones for the job, especially when you projected out that Leslie Frazier was going to be available and Patrick Graham and Byron Lefwich and Todd Bowles and Eric Bieniemy still out there as a coach who is in waiting of a potential head coaching job. This was the year where it felt like there was finally going to be a hiring cycle where African-American minority head coaches got a fair shake, and it just hasn't translated that way. So that leads me to wonder, how do you fix this issue? And part of me believes that you need to incentivize these teams and these organizations to hire African-American and minority head coaches. Because the current system is not working. We can talk all we want about the need to have more coordinators who are African-American or minorities. And that's a conversation that needs to be had as well. When you only have 15 coordinators around the league who are non-white, that's not adequate representation in those roles. When you look across the league at the discrepancy between white head coaches and minority head coaches, this has been an issue that the NFL has grappled with for decades. It's why the Rooney Rule was brought into effect in the first place. And that teams have used the Rooney Rule as a workaround as part of the process rather than potentially airing a fair opportunity for these candidates for head coaching jobs goes to show you that there needs to be change. Tangible change. Whether it's awarding compensatory draft picks, whether it's awarding franchises who hire African-American head coaches five additional million dollars in cap space, whatever it may be, the system needs to change. And there's a counter-argument out there that you shouldn't incentivize the hiring of minority head coaches because then you can use them as assets and the teams would basically hire a black head coach, recoup that compensatory pick, and then fire them the following offseason to go and get another candidate. But what happens if, for example, you hire Leslie Frazier and you go from being a team that finished 6-10 and 10 to going 11-5? and 5? Are you really going to fire Leslie Frazier that next offseason? And in a worst-case scenario, you at least get an African-American into that job to show what he's capable of and get him on that hiring cycle as someone with previous head coaching experience. That gives them a leg up in the conversation. Whether it's for head coaching vacancies or coordinator vacancies, it gets them in the conversation closer to the finish line. There are obviously bigger picture concerns, whether it's racial sensitivity training that owners and general managers need to go through, whether it is realizing unconscious bias, whether it is having higher expectations for black coaches than white coaches. These are all things that need to be addressed by the NFL, and they have gone unaddressed. They have gone ignored for decades. And regardless of what happens to Brian Flores, whether he winds up getting the Houston Texans job, which he's in the mix for, doesn't get hired, doesn't get a coordinator job, get winds up out of the NFL, whatever happens to Brian Flores, 
the bigger picture here is that his lawsuit should be a reckoning for the NFL to enact tangible change so that the next time that there are four, five, six highly qualified African-American and minority head coaching candidates, that three or four of them wind up getting jobs and get the opportunity to become a head coach. Because I speak to assistant coaches around the league all the time. And there are a handful of African-American assistants that I, I consider close friends. I was texting them this week and they said, you know, it's terrible. It's an uphill climb. I'm willing to do what I need to do. I just hope that I don't butt up against a glass ceiling forever. People think that it sucks, that it stinks, that the deck is stacked against them. And that's an unfair way to live. That's an unfair to go through your profession knowing that as a position coach or a coordinator, that might be the highest rung that you're able to climb regardless of how successful you are in that role. And that's why I believe the NFL needs to change its hiring process. That's why the NFL needs to make sure that it does everything that it can to open the door for opportunities for minority candidates, for general manager, for head coach, for coordinators, for position coaches to not only create a hiring process that's more reflective of the players in the league, but brings us all one step closer to equality in terms of who winds up getting these jobs. That's what should be the goal. And it's far from that right now when Mike Tomlin is the only African-American head coach in the league, when there are only four black offensive coordinators and 11 black defensive coordinators. It's unacceptable. It really is. On the other side, we'll switch gears to a far lighter topic. We'll check in with Cincinnati Bengals and Pro Football Hall of Famer Anthony Munoz, get his thoughts on the upcoming Super Bowl and how his Bengals pull off the upset over the Rams. Keep it locked right here on the Matt Lombardo Show, Inside Fansided Stack in the Box podcast feed. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Welcome back in. And of course, the Super Bowl matchup is set. It's the Bengals and the Rams. And here to preview all the action is Pro Football Hall of Famer and Bengals legendary offensive tackle, Anthony Munoz. Anthony is brought to us by HydroxyCut, a popular weight loss brand that offers fans a chance to score big during the biggest night of the NFL season with a national sweepstakes tied to the action. Anthony, how you doing, my man? I'm doing great, Matt. How you doing? Happy to have you here. Certainly Thank excited you. for this game. And, you know, this is Cincinnati's first trip to the Super Bowl since 1989. I see you're in your Bengals gear. How excited were you on Sunday when Joe Burrow is orchestrating that second half comeback, leads them back from 18 points down, and then leads the game-tying drive and the game-winning drive in overtime? What was it like in the Munoz house? Amazing, amazing, Matt. First of all, I have a lot of Bengals gear, and I wear it all the – I mean, I wear a lot. But I think I'm going to wear it every day until the Super Bowl. So I have something new every day. I still sport. I still rep the team because I'm in Cincinnati. I played my whole career here. So, uh, yeah, I had to wear this one today. But, no, very exciting. We had a watch party. We had about four or five families. And uh, we had kids and us adults. And I tell you what, it was so much fun. Uh, you know, the first half, we were a little concerned. Uh, I was like, okay, where's the pass rush? Are we going to stop those guys? And uh, people said, 
said, now, did you think that was a bad call by Mahomes and the, the Chiefs? I said, well, you know, if I'd have been moving the ball like they were, I would have made the same call. They didn't score. Little did I know that that would become the big play. But uh, it was exciting. I mean, to get down, it was almost a mirror of the, the, the game we played uh, in Cincinnati during the regular season. Down 11, regular season, down 11. And, uh, you know, they completely shut down Mahomes the second half and defensively, you know, come up with a bunch of sacks and 80 yards. I mean, who would have thought that Mahomes would have had 80 yards in the second half? And I've, I had friends say, well, you know, the Chiefs gave him the game. Mahomes choked. I said, no. When a team doesn't do something in the, in the game, it's because there's another team playing. They don't, uh, you know, this team has talent. They had grit. And uh, they just got after it the second half. So I tell you what, it was a lot of fun watching this team come back and win with that last second kick. And it's quite a run for Cincinnati. And, and how impressive has this been for you, watching Burrow and the Bengals go on the road, knock off the number one seed in the AFC in the Tennessee Titans, go on the road, knock off the number two seed in the Kansas City Chiefs. It's an 18-point comeback, the largest in AFC championship game history. You beat Patrick Mahomes, you beat the Chiefs to clinch a Super Bowl berth. In the grand scheme of things, how impressed were you by this run just in the postseason and what you've seen from Joe Burrow so far? Very, very impressed. I mean, for a team to do that, you kind of laid it out. I mean, to go to Nashville, uh, to number one seed, to be sacked nine times and to throw for 359 and to win the game. I mean, that's amazing. And then go to Kansas City. I mean, you kind of laid it out. The, the, the deficit, you know, Mahomes, that offense, and to come back and to win that game. I mean, the respect and how proud we are as former players and as a community you know, for Zach and this team, it's just I every morning I wake up and I think about the Bengals and the Super Bowl and what they've accomplished. Like you just said, it makes me smile. And, you know, you brought up the nine sacks that Burrow had to withstand in Tennessee. It doesn't get much easier against Von Miller and Aaron Donald in the Super Bowl in that front seven that's going to be swarming. You're one of the greatest players to play the position in the history of the game. What do the Bengals need to do differently as an offensive line to make sure that doesn't happen against Donald, Von Miller, and the Rams in two weeks? Well, first of all, you have to – I mean, the nine sacks in, in Tennessee, I'm going to say three or four of those were on Joe. He held the ball, but still five or six for the line, that's a lot. And then they cut it down to a couple of Kansas City, and it's just they got to keep getting better. I mean, they got to protect. Uh, I'm sure Frank Pollock, the O-line coach, he knows what he, – you know, he played for the 49ers. He's coached Dallas. He's coached here. Uh, the guys know what they have to do. It's uh, They've got to play the game of their life. And then it's a matter of how do you set up the protections? Who are you going to help? Who are you not going to help? And then whoever you're not going to help, they they know they're going to be manned up. So they got to, you know, play that much harder and play at a higher level. So it all goes into not only your, your, your individual performance, but how you work as an offensive line. And I feel comfortable that the coaching staff, mainly Frank Pollock, they'll have, uh, they'll have a pretty good scheme. And uh, again, has anybody been able to stop Aaron Donald? No. So you just try to contain the guy because he is amazing. Yeah, that was going to be my next question because he might be the best player in the NFL. Forget defensive player, forget defensive lineman. Might be the most talented player in the league. You played in, a, in an era with some of the all-time greats, Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White, Bruce Smith. Who is the toughest guy that you had to match up against on the other side? And what do the Bengals need to do to keep Aaron Donald at bay? Well, I mean, you mentioned three guys, probably the best I saw play. Uh, of all time and the Reggie was on the other side but I played against Bruce Smith and, I, and when people ask me uh, it's usually Bruce Smith the toughest the best that I ever played all around uh, you know so you just in you know I love that uh, challenge I mean it was one of those things where 
you know, if it was Bruce Smith or Fred Dean or Leroy Selman or Lawrence Taylor, uh, you know, playing at the highest level, it was always like, I want to do it alone. Don't mess, don't try to mess me up and chip them because that, and, and that's what guys have to put in their mind. I mean, Aaron Donald, the best player in the league now, maybe one of the best to ever play that position. That should be the challenge that you have. And it's a, the biggest stage in football. The biggest game of all time is the Super Bowl. And uh, so that's the one thing that you have to do. And uh, you know that all the 30 other teams are watching, the world's watching, and it's just a matter of you going out and saying, you got to do it. So that's what you have to do. I mean, there's no magic potions or it's just, it's, it's going to be, you know, go out and play the game of your lifetime. What made Bruce Smith so special? What made him elite? Everything. I mean, the guy had, he had the size, the strength, the quickness, the flexibility, the smarts. You could put him inside, you could put him outside. And uh, the athleticism for a six foot four, six foot five, 275 pound guy was just over the top. So when you talk about the total package, Bruce Smith had the total package. And Anthony, I'm pretty, uh, usually a pretty athletic guy. But after the Super Bowl, there's going to be pizza, there's going to be wings, there's going to be nachos, probably a few craft beers consumed in my household. So I, I might fall off the wagon here a little bit. Just How have a little you... self-control. Just make sure, you know, self-control and make sure you continue the workout. And, you know, I just want to encourage you to, you know, not go overboard. Just uh, make sure you you get into that workout and, you know, we want you to live in a healthy lifestyle, but, uh, you know, make sure it, it doesn't go crazy. So fill us in on this big game sweepstakes that hydroxy cut has coming up for the big game. It gives one lucky person the opportunity yeah. to win a hundred grand. If an offensive lineman or defensive lineman scores a touchdown in the big game, yeah. we saw 11 big man touchdowns this season, 11. I feel pretty good about our odds here. So, so fill me in. How's going to work? It, it, I'm thrilled to be involved with hydroxy cut, you know, the big game workout, of course, we're having the workout Saturday, you know, at Grand Park between 1130 and 1230. I encourage people to come out. I just want to motivate people. We want to motivate people to, you know, stay healthy. And as you mentioned, the uh, hydroxy cut big game sweepstakes, man, it gives one person a chance to win $100,000 if one of the big guys scores a touchdown. And like you said, an O-lineman or D-lineman, there's been quite a few through the regular season, a couple in the playoffs. So I tell you what, let's uh, – I'm going to root for my Bengals and maybe, uh, you know, Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, or maybe, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, Jonah Williams picks up a fumble. Hope, no, I don't want the offensive lineman to score. I want the defensive lineman to score. And then give a, ch a person a chance to win $100,000. But even with that, if you don't win, there's other guaranteed prizes. Maybe groceries for a year is another prize that you might receive or a gym membership for a year. And that's pretty good to keep that you know, workout going. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm pretty pumped about the, being there with hydroxy cut grand park. I'll be working out. I have my workout clothes on uh, and getting a little workout with all the people and then mingling, taking pictures and just, just trying to encourage everybody to stay healthy. That Bengals jacket might be perfect for the big I workout. What, believe me, I, I I'm, I'm going to bring some Bengal swag. So uh, I'll be wearing some Bengal swags. So I know you're picking, but what's the score and who's your MVP? I can't let you go without a Super Bowl pick, Anthony. I know, I know. It's. I'm going to say it's going to be uh, 28 to 24 Bengals. Love it. He's Anthony Munoz, Pro Football Hall of Famer, brought to us by Hydroxy Cut. Anthony, appreciate the time. Look forward to talking to you further up the road, my friend. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. You have a great day. Awesome stuff there from Anthony Munoz. Really enjoyed the conversation and check out what he's doing with HydroxyCut and all of the promotions they have ahead of the big game. And certainly for the Cincinnati Bengals, what an incredible opportunity, right? This is a franchise that hadn't won a playoff game since 1991. They haven't been to a Super Bowl since 1987. 
and they have a team that I believe could be on the cusp of being the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs becoming a dynasty and maybe even have all of the pieces in place to be a dynasty of their own. I promised at the top of the program that we would talk about the biggest storyline for both the Bengals and the Rams going into this Super Bowl. And for the Bengals, it's what they've built on offense. It's the infrastructure that they've built around a franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow, who, when I watch Burrow, and when I talk to people inside the league, they all rave, and I tend to agree with them, about Joe Burrow potentially being the next Tom Brady, that that might be his ceiling. And people have rolled their eyes since I wrote it this week, but you look at some of the quotes, and Quincy Avery, who is a terrific quarterback trainer, works with some of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL, when he starts talking about the fact that Joe Burrow is so excellent at everything that you can't measure about quarterback play, how cerebral he is, how quickly he processes information, how quickly he gets rid of the football on time and accurately. Those are the same things that people were saying about Tom Brady back in 2000. And you look at the infrastructure and the support that the Bengals have built around Burrow, this is the biggest storyline for them this year and in years to come. Because Joe Burrow, to me, is only going to get better as Jamar Chase gets better. Here's a guy who had over 1,400 receiving yards. He caught 13 touchdowns. He averaged 18 yards per reception. He's going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year, right? And you think about receiving play in the NFL, and for the last several decades, receivers seem to get better and better as they go along. And it used to be that a wide receiver doesn't hit their peak, doesn't hit their stride in the NFL until the third season. If Chase is already catching 1,500 yards, 13 touchdowns, and averaging 18 yards per catch, how good is he going to be? And the Bengals also have T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd might be the most dominant slot receiver in the NFL right now. They have a tight end in C.J. Uzoma who's developing into an elite pass catcher in his own right and really important to what the Bengals do. And you have Burrow, who has all the swagger, all of the ability, everything you need above the shoulders to excel in the NFL and be an elite quarterback for years to come with a head coach who's a quarterback whisperer and an elite play caller in Zach Taylor in a division where the Pittsburgh Steelers face a really uncertain future because of Ben Roethlisberger's retirement. You don't know what the Baltimore Ravens are ever going to be until they're able to surround Lamar Jackson with elite playmakers to maximize his elite skill set. And the Browns, the Browns might be stuck in neutral because even though they have one of the premier power running games in the NFL, even though they have a great defense with playmakers at all three levels, I think we've seen that they've gone as far as they can go with Baker Mayfield. And if you don't have an elite quarterback like a Patrick Mahomes, a Joe Burrow, a Josh Allen, or a Justin Herbert, you better be looking for a quarterback. And I think that's where the Browns are going to have to go. So the Bengals, with the infrastructure they have in place around Joe Burrow, all of the homegrown talent, Burrow's immense upside, his elite skill set, his talent, everything that goes into him being the total package, this might be their first of many appearances in the Super Bowl for years to come. And to me, that's the biggest storyline when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals in this game and when it comes to their future. On the other side, we'll get into what makes the Rams special, how they got here, and the big gamble that paid off for Los Angeles this year. Keep it locked right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside Fanside Stacked in the Box podcast feed.
Welcome back in, and thanks again to Anthony Munoz, who just, you know, terrific insight from him on the Bengals, on Joe Burrow, on what they need to do, and certainly about how to keep Aaron Donald at bay the best you can. And to me, that's going to be the biggest storyline of this Super Bowl. It isn't just what Les Snead did and the fact that he should be the NFL Executive of the Year because the Rams have been the NFC frontrunners almost from day one, and it's because of the moves that Les Snead made before the regular season through the trade deadline and what Sean McVay was able to do to mesh them all together. You think about what the Rams did this past offseason a year ago this weekend before the Super Bowl, making the trade for Matthew Stafford, bringing him into the fold, moving on from Jared Goff in a bold move that signaled to the rest of the NFL that the Rams hadn't just arrived, but that they were all in on making a Super Bowl run this year and in coming years, adding Matthew Stafford as their franchise quarterback. And then you think about what they did at the trade deadline. When they went out and they brought in Von Miller, dropping him along that front seven with Aaron Donald, creating one of the more dominant defenses with playmakers at all three levels that already had Jalen Ramsey in place. And you think about everything they did in addition to that, going out and adding Odell Beckham Jr., who the Rams aren't in the Super Bowl without Odell Beckham Jr. and the high level that he played at down the stretch this season, in the postseason. He's been absolutely pivotal to the Los Angeles Rams' success and this Super Bowl run. So in a lot of ways, Les Snead's aggressiveness and the fact that I believe he should be the open and shut executive of the year in the NFL is a storyline for the Los Angeles Rams, one of the big storylines of the NFL season, but I don't believe it's the biggest storyline of this particular Super Bowl because I think it's going to come down to the Rams' defensive line. Forget about Cooper Cup and OBJ. Forget about Matthew Stafford. Forget about Jalen Ramsey shadowing Jamar Chase or how the chess match plays out between Sean McVay and Zach Taylor to create opportunities for Chase or take them away. This game is going to be won or lost by the Rams' ability to create relentless pressure on Joe Burrow. And you think about Aaron Donald and what he did in the second half of that game against the San Francisco 49ers, the plays that he made in the fourth quarter to give that defense a spark, ultimately forcing the turnover that wound up being the difference maker that set the Rams up, kicking the game-winning field goal to win and go on to the Super Bowl. What the Rams are able to do up front against the Cincinnati Bengals might win or lose this game for them. And I know that Joe Burrow survived the nine-sack onslaught in the divisional round in Tennessee against the number one seed. I know that the Chiefs' defensive line wasn't able to provide the kind of pressure on Burrow that the Titans did the prior week. But with apologies to Tennessee, this defensive line is the best defensive line that Cincinnati will have faced through this entire run. I mean, you think about what Aaron Donald has been able to do this season. With a 94 overall grade from Pro Football Focus, a 92.7 pass rush grade from PFF, 86 total pressures, 49 run stops, 61 hurries, and 15 sacks. Yeah, we can talk all we want about Micah Parsons being the potential defensive player of the year. I don't know that he winds up winning out over Aaron Donald. And I don't know that you can ignore Aaron Donald when it comes to the MVP race. He might receive a vote or two and probably should because he's probably the most gifted player in the entire NFL. And if you go out at the deadline as the Rams did and you add Von Miller to that front seven and you think about what he was able to do since his arrival in Los Angeles, finished this season with four and a half sacks. He forced a fumble against Tampa Bay that really turned the tide of that game. 
You think about dropping Von Miller into that defense, and you think about what the Bengals are going to be up against, keeping Aaron Donald and Von Miller out of that backfield after what Miller did all year long, finishing with an 85.9 run defense grade and producing nine total sacks for the whole season, four and a half of them coming since his arrival at the deadline in L.A. Good luck to Cincinnati's offensive line, because if I'm the Rams, I'm going to be moving those guys around. I'm going to put Aaron Donald on the edge. I'm going to slide him into the middle. I'm going to put him alongside Von Miller. I'm going to figure out where the weakest link is along Cincinnati's offensive line. I'm going to put both of those guys there. And I'm going to try to create pressure on Joe Burrow that way and force him into mistakes. And if you can neutralize the high-flying talent of that Bengals front seven, you're going to have a real good chance to win the game. So when I look at this matchup from a Rams perspective, obviously Matthew Stafford is going to be key. Obviously getting Cooper Cup involved early, and if the passing game gets taken away, pounding the rock with Cam Akers is going to be very important for L.A. But they don't win this game if they don't create relentless pressure on Joe Burrow. And I don't know that they're in this Super Bowl without the dominant play from Donald, Von Miller, and that front seven. So in my opinion, that's the biggest storyline. Not just the additions. Not just going out and being big spenders and committing to make a run this year but building a defensive line that can be legitimately disruptive and game-altering, that's the biggest storyline, and that's the biggest key for the Rams. A lot of fun on this show. Thanks again to Anthony Munoz, who joined us and joined Fansided, courtesy of HydroxyCut. Thanks to all of you for listening. I won't even tease you with what we have coming on the podcast next week. Okay, maybe I will. Multiple Hall of Famers. We'll join the podcast next week. You don't want to miss that. Thanks to Anthony Munoz for dropping by. Thanks to Cole Thompson, who's instrumental in producing this podcast and getting it up and running each and every week. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL. Please go ahead and subscribe to Stacked in the Box in the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, all of your favorite podcast platforms. I'm Matt Lombardo. I'll talk to you next week right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside Fansided Stacked in the Box podcast feed. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your Super Bowl week. We'll be here to preview it on Friday. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. Ted, wake up. Huh? You look exactly like me. I am you, Ted, from the future. You need to call Progressive. What? Why? Well, they have 24-7 protection when you bundle your home and auto, and my teleportation cube just smashed into your car. Wait, you crashed into my car? Technically, it's our car. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.